Welcome to Tech Talk on the Nachum Siegel Network. I am extremely excited to be your host today. Uh, this is R.E. Lightstone. You can listen to us on jmandtheam.org or nachumsiegel.com. We are streaming live right now at nachumsiegel.com. And as always, we are proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera, much more than just a camera store. Please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. Uh, today is really a day that we've been looking forward to for quite a while. I think we've had this now in the works maybe four, five, six weeks. Uh, we got snowmageddoned out a couple of weeks ago, I think post-Super Bowl. It's okay. I was in no mood to be social. Again, as a Broncos fan, it was a fairly tough day for me. Uh, but missed having you guys because just having had the chance to catch up with you now in studio the last 15, 20 minutes, you guys are awesome. Everything that Yeshiva University is all about. We have four guests with us this morning. Adam Moisa from Queens, a sophomore at YU. Michael Lehman with two ends from the Five Towns, a junior. Um, Jeremy Goldstein, also from the Five Towns, also a junior. And just for some depth to show that YU doesn't just attract one type of student, we have Shal Yaakov Morrison from Bergenfield, which I believe is the foreign town of New Jersey, uh, also a junior at YU. We're very excited to have you guys this morning in order to rotate to make sure that uh, – We've got everybody around while the conversation will hopefully be free-flowing and have a chance to speak to everybody. We'll probably switch the seats a little bit. That way we can see each other. Show Yaakov, you're way over there, and it's nice to have you. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good morning. We're great. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Thank you for, thank you for coming on. Thank you for adjusting your schedules on President's Day, which uh, is there school today? There is, yeah. YU has school today. Okay, good. So I don't know if we have to write notes anymore for college. Probably not. If you're old enough to start your own company, you don't need to be written <laughs> out of anything. But uh, but uh, sheer whatever else you're you're missing this morning, I'm sure there'll be an opportunity to make up uh, additional time in Seder. So again, good morning, welcome to the Nachum Siegel Network. You are on Tech Talk, and uh, one of the most exciting things about Tech Talk is we have a chance to speak to young and budding entrepreneurs, people familiar with technology, and I think we have a doozy of a show. Uh, set up for you today. So we'll start sort of with you, Adam. You, you seem to be sitting right next to me and uh, and have a connection to all of our other guests here. So uh, welcome. To, just tell us how you got involved with entrepreneurship. Sure. So I was in Hakotel, and it was the night before I was submitting a project to Intel and APA. And one of my, my submission file was on one of my clouds. Uh, I couldn't find it 10 minutes before the deadline. Eventually, I found it, but I was very frustrated, and I never forgot that frustration. Perfect timing. Dean Michael Strauss reached out to me. I was only a prospective student at YU at that time. And he said, hey, Adam, you have any ideas? And I did. And since that day, I've been working on my idea called Cloudified. I've been very involved in the tech entrepreneurial startup scene. And Dean Strauss was really the one that opened my eyes to the fact that if you have an idea or you have a frustration, you could actually do something about it. You could actually create a company out of it. Um, and since then, you know, I've involved myself as much as I possibly could in the entrepreneurial scene at YU, trying to liven it up a little bit. And that's when other people started coming to me with their ideas. And now I have a few partners, a few really great partners, Jeremy and Mikey right here. We're working on a project called Tickfinity, which we'll tell you about really soon. We're going to – Adam, you are like any entrepreneur, seven steps ahead of me, which is incredibly <laughs> exciting. I, I, I got lost. I didn't get lost, but I got intrigued with a, with a side point that uh, that you said. What, what were you working on in Hot Hotel that has to do with Intel? And, and oh, was that so. during the afternoon, Seder? <laughs> Walk me through how that happened. So in high school, uh, DRS, I went to DRS, and they were very, very helpful. They provided mentors for projects, for people who wanted to do projects like Intel, uh, Siemens-Westinghouse competition. They, they actually provided a time during the day where you'd have a 45-minute period and you can focus on a project for submission. And that time was instead of a different class? This was yes, yes. They, once, a week they, once a week they let you take a last period uh, instead of going to class and you were able to go to the Intel class. Okay. And in Intel, how did you get involved with that? Why were you excited about that? I, you know, I just like the idea of an Intel competition. I personally have always been interested in psychology and I, you know, I wanted to do a psych paper. Um, the paper that I did was called uh, Correlation of Dissociative Capacity to Personality Traits and Learning Styles. How it, can your eyes define you? Um, I got involved in that because I, you know, I used to do magic shows and one of the things that I noticed when I was doing a hypnosis show on stage is I didn't like having to call people up and then kicking, you know, 15 of the 20 people off and then do the show on five people. It didn't look clean. Uh, I wanted it to seem really random that hypnosis could be done on anyone. So I thought to myself, can I go up to that table while I'm doing magic to them, pick up on key personality traits and link those to hypnotic capacity? 
uh, and that led me to the study to, you know, sort of reverse engineer the psychology. So, so this was also hypnosis. So you started entrepreneurialism before you knew that you were starting entrepreneurialism. I guess you could say that. Because you said, and we'll get to, to, to Dean Strauss in a minute, because I think that's a phenomenal addition to why you since I've been there. And I want to focus and drill down on that. But you had a challenge. You were doing magic as a performer and you felt that, uh, that it could be better. And you were trying to figure out how to, uh, like you said, reverse engineer uh, so you can address that challenge. So did, were you successful in doing that? Actually, very successful. It came out to be a very, very cool project. Um, we correlated the, we correlated the um, biological indicator of the hand clasp and the eye roll to dissociative capacity. And then we further correlated it to learning, uh, to learning styles. So there, it actually has educational application. Um, My three-year-old is a phenomenal at having the hands clasped, for those of you who are watching, and the eye roll, she's an expert at. So <laughs> if you can come over and do magic on her, I'm fairly positive that, uh, you know, our parenting would be easier. But anyways, that's so, go ahead. Yeah, so the, the point of the study is that a teacher, you know, for educational purposes, there are business purposes, there are magic purposes, there are, are uh, therapeutical purposes. But the educational purpose, which is actually what we submitted the paper as, uh, educational psychology, is a teacher can go around, uh, ask his or her students to clasp their hands and roll their eyes, which takes, you know, um, you know, 30, 30 seconds per kid, uh, record which kid has what type of eye roll, and they can they now know how their students as a whole and as individuals uh, uh, retain and understand information. So is my class more, is the majority of the class visual learners? Are they oral learners? Are they kinesthetic learners? And they can now, are they social learners, solitary learners? So how can I convey the information best? Should they work in groups? Should they not work in groups? Should I bring in a model of the atom or is just a visual presentation enough? And you did this with, you said, teammates? Or? No, that, that one I did by myself, but with, with significant input from mentors. Okay. So th- that's phenomenal. And, and I think those who have listened to, to Tech Talk understand that one of the words that uh, we hear oftentimes from, from real entrepreneurs and, and what I would call leaders is uh, it's difficult to lead without having a mentor. And, uh, and it sounds like that started all the way back in, in high school. And, and a big shout-out to DRS uh, for having provided not only the time, in order to be able to do that, apparently last period, but also the mentorship in order to be able to make that happen. I know what I used to do during last period in high school. Um, it, it didn't improve my basketball skills, but that is where I spent a significant period of time. Um, but, uh, okay, so that's exciting. So you were in the process of submitting this paper, a, a yes. paper while you were in Israel? Yeah, Ten minutes before the deadline. Okay, and it was stored on in the cloud. One of my clouds. One of your clouds. Okay, so now we get to what we wanted to talk about. You then found a challenge. You couldn't find it because you have many clouds. People yes. have many clouds. Yes. If you have a Gmail, you have a Google Drive. Most people have a Dropbox, and since Box is promotion, uh, most people also have a box as well. Right. I have a box. I have a Dropbox, and I have Google there Drive. There we go. You're our customer. I And I don't know what they do, but you're telling me you, <laughs> you, you can solve that problem for yes, me. Yes, yes. Okay. I'm excited about that. So so you tried to, to turn in a paper, the, the, the timing with 10 minutes to go. Um, didn't work out very well, and then you eventually found it. You turned it in. Yes. Did, did you hear back from Intel? No, I didn't get into Intel, but I did get into APA, which was odd, considering one's for uh, post-college graduates and one's for high school students. Well, people were confused because you have the sweater and the jacket <laughs> thing going on. They might have assumed that you were part of a postgraduate uh, uh, program. But, uh, okay, so, so what's APA? Uh, APA is the American Psychological Association. They have an annual convention where they host poster board sessions uh, where college graduates can post their work, can present their work, and hopefully get picked up by a PhD. See, I'm curious about something. This has nothing to do with what we're talking about, so we're going to pivot back to where we were at in a second. Is this type of assessment that essentially you're creating this this baseline for what type of learner somebody is, is that adapted in any of the current education technology solutions that are out there? No, I never took it any further than the paper and, pub- and, uh, and pending publication. Uh, we've had some pretty interesting educational technologists on board. If you want after the show, I'd be more than excited to, uh, to introduce you. Sure. Um, for those people out there who are listening and are intrigued by that component, let's give Adam an opportunity to give sort of his his uh, call-in info. You, you have to check out his resume. What, uh, what's your website? Uh, AdamMoisa.com. A-D-A-M-M-O-I-S-A.com. Okay. A-D-A-M-M-O-I-S-A.com. Just go check it out. It's a great way uh, that uh, the people are promoting themselves. Uh, it it's was- called a V-card. The idea is called a V-card, a virtual business card, because right now you hand someone a business card, it just says your name, and they can email you for more information. This is a way for them to really check out who you are before they get to talk to you. It's awesome. If you haven't seen this, you should for sure go check this out. So it's exciting. Okay, so then you head to YU, um, and you have, since your time in Hakota, were you trying to figure out this challenge, or you sort of had in the back burner and then and then you oh, no it, since since the call with Dean Strauss where I realized that it was you know it was really a tangible possibility to create something um, and there you know it's it's difficult but there is a road to it and it has been paved before 
Um, I was working very hard in Akotel. I gave myself a certain amount of hours a month so that I could learn, but I could also continue to develop the idea. Uh, I was sketching, I was researching, I was I was dealing with um, some software developers to create some spec and feasibility studies for the uh, for the for the idea of Cloudified. Uh, so yeah, so it once you start, you really can't stop. There's no you know putting it on hold for a month, two months, or a year. You got to keep going. All right. So now here's a great opportunity to introduce uh, two of I believe your partners or, yes, or yes, uh, co-founders in in uh, in uh, Cloudified. Um, no, 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 excuse me. No, Cloudified, I apologize. Cloudified uh, is, uh, is uh, so let, let's finish the Cloudified idea for a moment. So uh, explain to our audience what does Cloudified do if you have Google Drive and you've got Box and you've got Dropbox. So Cloudified is a cloud aggregate program. It's a cloud, ag- uh, it's a cloud aggregate platform. You bring all your clouds together. You go onto Cloudified, you log onto Google Drive, Dropbox, Box once. That's it. After you log into all of those things, you now have one Cloudified login for all of your clouds. You log in and you forget the fact that you have multiple clouds. That's the point of Cloudified. Don't remember that this is on Box or this is on Dropbox or this is on Google. These are your files that are stored in the cloud. Okay. So now let's uh, Google Drive, to the best of my knowledge, is free, uh, probably not unlimited storage. Right. So that's also one of the cool things that Cloudified uh, does. You're limited to storage. You're limited to 2 gigabytes, 5 gigabytes, 10 gigabytes. You're also limited in terms of bandwidth. So one of the things that Cloudified wanted to do is we wanted to really make it seem like your clouds are linked. We don't just want it to look like it. We want it to act like it. So, and this is going to get a bit technical, but if you log into two, five, three gigabyte clouds, can you upload a six gigabyte document? Great question. The answer is usually no, because you have five and five. You can't get something that's over either one of those. But what Cloudified is going to do, Cloudified is going to partition the file for you, upload the respective parts to each cloud, and to you, it'll just seem like one big file. You could even share it. So I don't care what's happening in the background. That's background. Absolutely. For me as the consumer, you've provided a ease of use and expanded use. Correct. It also, yeah, correct. It also, it also helps in terms of bandwidthing issues. Um, Box only lets you upload, let's say, 300 megabytes and Dropbox 500 or vice versa. Can you get a 700 megabyte file up there? Mm -hmm. Well, no. But with us, you can. We'll partition it, put 500 here, 200 here. And all of a sudden, you beat the bandwidth issue. That sounds incredible. How do we find more about Cloudified? So right now, we took down our informational website because we're renovating it a little bit. But soon, you'll be able to go to Cloudified.com for more information. Spell Cloudified for us. C-L-O-U-D-I-F-Y-D.com. Okay. We were going with the F-Y-D-E? No? F-Y-D. F-Y-D for the FIDE. <laughs> okay. That'll be a theme of the show as, as we're figuring out as uh, as Adam is a common denominator to a lot of what we're talking about here. Um I want to introduce the rest of the guests because I want us to talk about the environment and why you also, Cloudified sounds really incredible. I know um, so many people are having these challenges, keeping everything uh, in one place and and keeping it organized. And, you know, uh, and I don't know whether it addresses this challenge, but let's assume that I've got something loaded in one of the the drives and not in another one of the drives and I'm looking for it. Like you said, it'll sort of... The point is that you won't think of your clouds as separate drives anymore. That's the real goal. Everything, all your files will just appear to you right there. You can categorize them. So if you have multiple documents uh, from different clouds, you can put them into the category documents. You can then use those files in other scenarios because you'll be able to access the files while on the Internet, no matter what platform you're on. That's awesome. Okay, you are listening to Tech Talk on the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, Arye Lightstone is me, and I am your host. You can listen to us on jmdm.org or nachumsegel.com. We are excited to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera. More than just a camera store, please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. Uh, please know that uh, starting next week, the JM and the M annual fundraising marathon begins Monday, the 24th of February, and people can even begin to pledge now at jmandtheam.org or nachumsegel.com. For those who are fans and listeners to this show and all the other phenomenal programming on nachumsegel.com and jmandtheam, uh, please make, uh, take an opportunity to go to the website and, and to participate to make sure that, uh, that we stay on the air and continue to improve and, uh, and grow our programming. It's really, for me, a personal uh, privilege and pleasure to be here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Okay, so I've got a couple of, uh, of Lonsmen. Uh, I'm not really from the five towns, but I certainly currently live there, uh, and it's exciting to recognize some familiar faces. Michael Lehman from the five towns, a junior at Yeshiva University. Welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. Nice to have you. And uh, Jeremy Goldstein, also from the five towns, a junior also at Yeshiva University. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having us. Uh, so we're excited about having you. Um, how did you guys meet Adam? That seems to be the first question. We actually went to high school with Adam, so we, you know, we go back, uh, you know, like about five, six years. So we know him since. And then. we went to camp together before that too. And we went to camp together. That's true, also. Okay, so camp friends uh, also went to DRS. 
Um, and uh, were you guys working on projects back in high school, or this is no? no? This, you know, we just started this, you know, since like the summer. So okay. We really. So we've referenced this, Michael. Why don't you tell me what this is? So, our company is called Tickfinity. It's a platform where season ticket holders and people with season t- with ticket packages can upload their tickets onto our website and get credit based off the dollar amount of their tickets. And now, with the credit they receive, they can now go onto our pool and browse through the different games that we have and reserve any game that they want at their own convenience. So it used to be that you're limited to just your Knicks tickets, their team, and their schedule. And now, once you upload your tickets and you receive credits, you now have access to go to any game you want at your own convenience at any time that works best for you. So that seems to be interesting. We're going to talk about what that means from a specific. So have your minds rolling on on, give me an example of, of what it would potentially be in a minute. Did this come out of you guys having a problem? Were, were you challenged? Are you a Mets season ticket holder? No, so actually, it kind of, this whole thing kind of happened by accident. Um, you know, Mikey and I, we were just like, you know, debating on whether to, you know, invest in uh, um, season ticket, you know, season tickets for like the Yankees. And um, after talking about it for like five minutes, we came to the conclusion that, you know, as a season ticket holder, you're actually like very limited. Um, what I mean by that is, you know, like Michael said, you, you know, you you have access to one to one team, you know, their specific schedule. And the main problem is that, you know, with 81 home games, if you go to 40 percent, you know, you're lucky. So with the rest of the with the, with the rest of the unused tickets, you know, up until this point, everyone's been, you know, trying to sell them and uh, make money from that. The issue is, is, um, you know, I personally uh, buy and sell tickets on my own. And, um, you know, I usually manage five to ten listings at a time. And um, that's, you know, that actually takes up a lot of time. So I can't even imagine how much time managing 40, you know, tickets uh, can be. So, um, you know, we thought, how can we solve all these issues? How can we take away, you know, the, the time of managing the tickets? How can we give the, um, each user access to all their favorite sports teams instead of just one? And uh, that's why we, you know, we thought of Tickfinity where we can, you know, solve all those issues. So if I'm a Knicks fan for a moment and – but. I'm I'm out of town and I want to go to a Nuggets game. Is that uh, I'm in Denver? Yeah, is that that's I mean some... that's the plan. We're, we plan on starting you know testing it in the tri-state area, the nine teams. But eventually, that's exactly the, you know the, that's exactly the goal. You know, you could be in Miami on vacation and you're part of Tickfinity. You know, you want to go to the Heat game. You can just go on your phone and just hit reserve, and all of a sudden you have a, you know you have tickets to the Heat. And the cool part is, since it's in a pool, it's instant. As soon as you hit reserve, it appears in your email. It appears in your app. You can do it on the way to the game. Reserve a ticket. Show the barcode on your phone. Walk in. Okay, that was going to be to the next thing because one of the cool advances in technology is I remember being a long-time Denver uh, Broncos season ticket holder that if somebody were to buy your ticket, and I can't remember not going to a game, I guess that wasn't on Yantif, So, but I guess sometimes <laughs> the tickets were, were bought, there's a whole hassle. How are they going to get my tickets? Right. And the mail and what type of mail and, yeah. Exactly. A lot of it's the time issue. Another thing is also the, the, the money issue. All these secondary uh, market sites like StubHub, they all take 15% off the bat. So here you're putting your tickets up. You don't have to manage it. You don't have to worry about you know people taking a piece of your of your sale, and you just get instant credit of what you paid for. So you know you don't have to spend time doing any of that. You get you paid for something, and you're getting credit for exactly what you paid for. You get credit for what you paid for, which makes a lot of sense. But the question is, is that at the end of the day, and for those people who follow the Super Bowl, it always seems to be one of the more interesting statistics after the Super Bowl. What was the average cost of the ticket? And they try to minimize what the secondary market is, et cetera. That's the only fun fact after how many chicken wings were yeah. consumed on that <laughs> Sunday. That's actually a fairly terrifying statistic that they normally tout. But uh, um, tickets aren't necessarily worth what you paid for them. So how do you account for that? I'll take that. Um, well, we were originally thinking of making it based off of market value. So if you have a ticket, uh, let's say the Knicks against the Heat, It's going to be a lot more demand for that game, and you would think to make the tickets more expensive. But what we decided to do was to keep our system based off of face value, to keep it absolutely fair the entire time. Because otherwise you can run into some confusion and subjectivity based off of our valuation of the game. Some people may think it's worth more. Some people may think it's worth less. So if we keep it at face value, it stays fair for everyone. Sometimes there's going to be an advantage. You 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 got lesser tickets. That turned out to be much more valuable. But it works in both ways, so we think that it'll mediate out. I'd have to imagine that there's a group of people that will enjoy the simplicity involved with that. That's, because, That's the goal. Okay, because you wind up with people waiting. I, I wanted to sell my Super Bowl tickets at $2,300, but it only got to $2,100, and I never had that chance, and maybe those tickets were maximized. Now, I understand the Super Bowl is an exception. Correct. I imagine this doesn't work for those 
the Olympic tickets and for for. But if I am a season ticket, you're talking about a real sports fan who wants to get the most bang for their buck. This almost is like an unlimited pass Correct. to a degree to others. Exactly. And like what you said, pretty much, it's our target. Our our target. You know, main two targets are people that are you know big sports fans, not just one specific team. Are you know we're not really focusing on the people that are buying as an investment that are trying to sell and make money. That's not really our target market. It's more of someone that's you know a big Yankees, Knicks, Giants, Ranger fan that they're not going to pay for three sets of season tickets, and a lot of their tickets go to waste. So this way, they you know they pay for one and they you know spend it as they want. Okay, also, go ahead. Also, on a corporate level, if you think about it, um, you have, let's say, a big firm. They have Knicks season tickets, right? And they go to their clients and say, oh, what game do you want to go to? And it happens to be that the client's not a Knicks fan. So now with Tickfinity, these firms can upload their tickets and now go straight to their client and say, what game do you want and what time works best for you? And then you have it. If you think about it, you can even make a personal account for each of your clients. They can you know, log in under your corporate username and just reserve the game themselves. So they can choose whatever the market will allow for them and it will show up all eligible opportunities sure. that they would want to go to. Whatever's in the pool, they can reserve. And that's really interesting. And also, obviously, Tickfinity is not going to be limited to just sports. We want to take it everywhere. Anything that requires a venue, anything that is a venue that requires ticket for access, we can do. Okay. I want to drill down into that in a, in a couple minutes. You are listening to Tech Talk on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm your host, Ari Lightstone. You can listen to us on jamtheam.org or nachumsiegel.com. Special treat today, although now we've done this a couple of different times. We're streaming live on nachumsiegel.com, so wave home uh, to your family, hopefully. Um, as uh, always, we are proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera, more than just a camera store. <laughs> Please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. Just as a reminder for everybody listening at home that uh, the JMTheAM annual fundraising marathon begins next week, and people can even begin pledging today at jmtheam.org or on nachumsiegel.com. We are here with some really exciting guests. We've got Adam that we had a chance to speak about, Cloudified, and his partners in the second company, Michael Lehman and Jeremy Goldstein in Tickfinity. How is Tickfinity up on the web yet? Yes, you can go to tickfinity.com to learn more about it. Okay, spell Tickfinity for those of us out there who might have an extra K or an extra N like Michael Lehman at the end. <laughs> T-I-C-K-F-I-N-I-T-Y.com. Okay, so you can check that out at tickfinity.com. And to me, I guess in the New York area with all of those teams and, and, and a strong interest in a lot of the other um, sports that might be out there, I think there's a phenomenal uh, opportunity out there. And I'm curious, I want to talk about revenue model, I want to talk about how you're funding and all those things, but I also want to drill down. The one common denominator that all of you have is at Yeshiva University, where we were talking offline that I think we've got two accounting majors and two finance majors. And my favorite response, Adam, where are you in YU right now? I think I'm a sophomore. I love the I think I'm a sophomore. (laughs) And for those people who think that maybe that's tongue-in-cheek, it's really not. There's a phenomenal advantage at Yeshiva University where you're really not limited by the, the age in the semester. And a lot of the confusion gets in because I assume you took AP classes. And, and right, right. And the whole new schedule, the new curriculum. New curriculum. And then you're in Israel. And now the SATs have 2,400 points. I'm saying life <laughs> li- life has gotten complicated. It used to be pretty simple. You knew what you did and uh, and you knew where you were at. But uh, but I think life gets more interesting the more nuances involved. And, and thank God, YU really has a tremendous amount of nuances. And it's a special place to be. And you're not really limited. And when you throw in summer school, that just you know throws off throws off everything. I've I've met upper freshmen who've graduated twice and like uh, <laughs> higher seniors that have a PhD but don't have a college diploma. I'm saying it's an exciting place to be. Um, how's it to be an entrepreneur? Because if you look at accounting and finance, those are not two degrees that are necessarily associated with entrepreneurship. Let's just for the sake of simplicity, let's start with uh, with Michael. You know, sort of tell me what you feel the environment's like in YU for a young entrepreneur. So certainly it seems like it'd be difficult to balance working on your own company, having a dual, a dual curriculum and all that. Um, but what my partner once told me, Adam Moisa, um, if you really love something and believe in it, you make it happen. So even though I have a test the next day, I'm still coming here and I'm still working on Tickfinity. You know, I could have um, a crazy meeting one night and go all night and have a test the next day and I make sure to make it work. We've done that. We have done that. So when you really believe in something, no matter how hard it is, no matter what it takes, you make sure to get it done. Okay, I guess it's difficult to cancel board meetings because we have like a you know a final tomorrow <laughs> that uh, you know makes sense. But you, you hear a lot about young budding entrepreneurs in, in numerous different colleges, and you hear about the dropouts. The company became too all-consuming. And then let's be frank, Yeshiva University has a very demanding curriculum, and it's a dual curriculum at that. Um, you know, Jeremy, what what's it like being able to balance? 
all three things. And, and we're not even talking about whether we have social lives, nor are we going to get into that at this moment. <laughs> I, think, I think, you know, Michael pretty much covered that, you know, pretty solidly. You know, yeah, we have, there's dual cur- curriculum. You know, you're doing Gamar in the morning and then you have your classes in the afternoon. But, you know, like you said, if you're if you're really into something and, you're, you know, you're focused, you know, you make time for it. We've had nights where literally we, we went to like five in the morning. Yeah, um, many nights. Yeah, we had a few of those. So, you know, it's it's hard, but it's definitely doable if you have an interest in that, you know, that extra entrepreneurial drive. And have you seen that this enhances your focus when you are in school, when you are doing the, the, the Kodesh, doing the Judaic studies? Is that or do you always sort of feel that I really have to be someplace else? Yeah, see, your mind is kind of in a lot of places, but at the same time, it's kind of good training for, you know, being busy, being able to handle, you know, doing a lot of things. So I think it's, it's helpful. Because I see what you, you, you more or less answer the question, where do you do it? You just cut out sleep, which, you know, I, I guess makes a fair amount of sense. A lot of coffee. A lot of coffee. Okay. <laughs> that also makes a fair amount of sense. But from being a distracted and Adam, just, you know, as you're the common denominator and you're involved in, with a lot of different things. How do you do that? Are you ever actually in one place? And I just got married. Oh, hey now, Mazel Tov. <laughs> well, now I understand the desire to work really hard. <laughs> um, I do I do kind of feel like there's a lot going on, but like my partner said, if it's important, you make time for it. Um, I, I don't feel necessarily that I'm being pulled in many different directions because when I'm focused on something, I'm focused on something. And if something else needs my focus right now, then I switch focuses as opposed to feeling like I'm in two places. One of the entrepreneurs that we had on maybe three or four weeks ago uh, mentioned something that <clears throat> far be it for me to, to, to provide advice to guys who are doing so many different things, but said it's really important in life to focus and to differentiate in between what's urgent and what's important. And when you have the ability to manage that, which it sounds like you guys are excelling in that, uh, then you can address the things as they come up. And at the end of the day, you never get less busy. You know, I've, I've never found that with somebody. I guess maybe with a successful exit and you want to take a vacation for a little bit. But, <laughs> but busy people tend to be busy. You know, the age-old adage that uh, you want to get something done, go to the guy who's already doing so much, which might be exactly why you guys are involved with, uh, with all this. So let, let's talk for a couple more minutes about Tickfinity, if you don't mind. What, what's, what's the revenue model? How do, you, how do you guys ultimately make money? So it's very interesting. Our, our revenue model actually is another benefit of the consumer. Uh, what happens is, is let's say you, let's say you have Nick tickets, right? And you put them in the pool, and there, there's a game to, uh, against the Bobcats, and no one in the pool reserves it. So what our system also does is, two days before the game, it puts those tickets up for sale. We make the sale, and then we give you actually a cut of the sale that we do. So not only do you have this access to, you know, all these different tickets to different games, you also have an t- opportunity to actually make money from this also without doing anything. It's an added benefit. Right. It sounds like how many of these people who are season ticket holders, especially in New York, maybe it's a corporate perk or maybe it's something else like that, don't even think that, oh, shoot, I've got a game tonight. Now I've got to do something with the tickets. You've already anticipated that. Exactly. And, you know, so a lot of times, like, tickets don't get reserved and, you know, they, without thinking about it, can get a check at the end of the month with, you know, with some extra money. You don't think a late March matchup in between the Knicks and the Bobcats is going to be a really popular, <laughs> popular Bad thing. example. And, well, no, I was going to say maybe that's a perfect example because it's not highlighted. None, maybe there, there are clients from, from Charlotte or wherever else it would be who do circle that day. But if there aren't, it's a possibility exactly. that that gets taken whatever, care of. Yeah, whatever it is, there's, there are going to be games. We can't anticipate every single game getting reserved. So, you know, we, we're just going to use that as our revenue stream. And we think it, you know, it's a you know, big added bonus for, for our users. Well, you were essentially um, careful with the language, so don't assume that I'm saying anything legal over here. But a ticket broker, I mean, you, you – not a ticket broker, but you traded in the commodities of tickets. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, I, you know, I have a little bit of experience on and how that works. So that's, you know, that's what I plan on actually doing. Okay. Start this, yeah. And and that, that has real value, and that's, uh, that's exciting. Um, so when it gets sold, let, let's say it doesn't get sold for the face value even. It's, it's a less attractive game. How do you make, how do you, how does that work? So that's, that, I don't, we don't think that's such a big problem because, you know, you're on Tickfinity for, for like the main reason of, you know, having access to that. So the money thing is all just extra and added bonus. So what happens is, is it's a lot easier for us to sell the tickets because if the lowest, uh, you know, price in that section is, you know, $100, we'll put it at $99 to ensure the sale because the money, like we said, is just an added, it's just an added bonus for everyone. Okay, so the, while it might be the revenue model, which is hopefully going to you know make the wheels turn in your company, which is which is important from a consumer perspective, I'm joining a club. That's really what it is. I want to have access to what you're providing, exactly. and hey, if I get paid to have that access, I'm not going to complain about that. Exactly. Correct. You you have access to huge benefits, to huge sweeping benefits that allow you to enjoy sports much more because you you know you're less restricted. So. If we also tell you that we just completely unrestricted you, added tons of value to all of your tickets, 
and we're also paying you. You know, what would you think? Probably too good to be true, but if, <laughs> I also wouldn't think that you guys can accomplish everything that you guys do in a given day. So I'm, I'm willing to bet on the fact that it'll probably work. But if I'm a ticket purchaser, I should also be going to Tickfinity.com. Is that correct? No. We, as of now, we're actually going to be using using a secondary market like StubHub to sell the tickets. Uh-huh. Okay, so that makes it very much sense. So when I'm in Tickfinity, I'm now associating only with my credits and what it can purchase for my additional Cor- games? Correct. Like you said, it's a club. And you've taken and you've taken the sales part uh, aside. It doesn't happen in my club, right? <laughs> All of our tickets get used, right? <laughs> so I sell it, and they wind up with with a bonus that uh, that uh, that happens on the side. That's very interesting. Go ahead, Michael. But eventually, we certainly would like to add that to our system. I mean, for now, until we get a bigger user base, we'll work through StubHub in terms of selling the tickets. But eventually, once we have a big user base, we can definitely sell through our platform itself. Right, so it's a volume game. Obviously, if you sell on your platform, you don't have enough purchasers. You're not going to be able to provide that added value or the necessary revenue to make this happen. So I'm sitting in the room with uh, some really incredible Yeshiva University students, uh, Adam Moisa, Michael Lehman, uh, Jeremy Goldstein, and Shaul Yaakov Morris. And we're going to bring Shaul Yaakov on in just a couple more minutes. I want to figure out a little bit more about Tickfinity and uh, find out when the Denver uh, teams are coming to town, <laughs> which is exciting. You're listening to Tech Talk on the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, I'm your host, Arya Lightstone. You can listen to us on jmtheam.org or nachumsiegel.com. As always, we are proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera, more than just a camera store. Check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. Uh, we are being streamed live right now on nachumsiegel.com, so come and check out our really awesome guests. Uh, and remember that next week, we start the annual fundraising for JM and the AM. That marathon begins on Monday, the 24th of February. You can go right now to jmtheam.org or nachumsegal.com and make a pledge. You do not need to wait. So I would encourage everybody out there uh, to take advantage of that opportunity to, and to do so. So to build what you're building strikes me as it requires a huge technical, I don't know if background, but component to that platform. Or do you guys work in the technical sphere? How does that happen? So I, you know, I have familiarity with coding. I'm able to code. I'm able to program, but not to, you know, not to a significant level. Um, I think what's important for the people on the operations side of the business, while it's not as important to know how to code, it is important really to understand the code so that when you have a conversation with your developer, you can have a conversation on their level to really understand their needs, what you need to provide them with to really help them with their job so that they can provide the best quality platform for you. So none of us, you know, code professionally. You know, the Tickfinity website, okay, I coded that. But in terms of the platform, in terms of the program, yeah, you usually need to bring on a technical advisor, um, which we have. Sure. Uh, so you, you, you went out to go get a, like a CTO or they're not really the CTO, Adam? You're serving as the CTO. I'm, I'm sort of serving as a CTO. Okay. I, I would prefer the CTO as someone who really knows how to program and we're looking for someone on that end right now. But nevertheless, we have started development. Okay. So you've begun the development. Now, we've had on guests in the past, and I, I've been preaching this, I think, since the second show that I've been on, that, that learning to code and understanding programming is, is functional literacy for the next, uh, for the, for the next generation of students, and you guys are that generation of students. Did this something, did you have an opportunity of exposure to this in high school? Not at all. Sadly, if no. I can, if I can go back to like eighth grade, um, you know, I'd, I definitely, you know, want to learn how to code because I think it's very important and every, you know, new company needs someone who, who knows how to do that. And even if you don't end up as the coder, it's extremely beneficial to be able to understand the code. It's a level of fluency. It's like Absolutely. going to a foreign country and negotiating not knowing any of the language. Absolutely. We always say that elementary schools should now have a required class teaching kids how to code because it's definitely, as time goes on, it's going to be the most important skill you could possibly have. At least open up the opportunity for the kids to get bitten by the bug. You know, you don't know who's going to be the best coder. You don't know if every kid is going to be interested. And frankly, you don't know if every kid is going to be a good developer. And developer is, you know, being a good developer, it's not just a skill. It really is an internal, you know, it's a cognitive ability. Um, so at least to expose kids who might be really good developers and who can, it could really benefit them. It could really b- benefit the company. Uh, it just opens their opportunities. Okay. So I think as a, as a side point, if we can launch a new company right here, <laughs> I think that to code with it, there was the hour to code, and we spoke about that a while ago. To go back to our yeshivas, to go back to the high schools, to go back to the middle schools and the elementary schools, and and they should be holding you up as um, role models in this. But you should also be making those recommendations. I'm assuming they're all listening on the air because nobody has school today uh, in honor of President's Day. So while while all the principals who don't normally have time to listen to us on a Monday at 10 a.m. Uh, are listening now, uh, we would encourage urge urge. Uh, your schools to get much more involved in in the realm of programming. And, uh, I, I would personally like to say I would be very happy to come in 
um, and explain this to them and come in and be a personal, you know, be a personal, like you said, role model um, for something like this because I think it's extremely important. Okay, that would be great. And just out of curiosity, where do most of your programmers come from? Argentina. Yeah, I was going to say it's very rare. I thought maybe while you were in Israel you found a programmer uh, in because they have phenomenal coders obviously there, but it seems like the uh, code wor- world is uh, is not in North America. No, it's not. Um, the North American coding world is extremely expensive. Uh, it's very, very important to have a team here that can manage the coding, uh, whether it's here, India. Apparently, there's a bunch of good coders in Afghanistan, I just found out. Um, but, you know, while you end up having to outsource, you it's really important that you have someone here that understands the code. Okay. So we're going to take a, not a brief break, but as I give sort of the signal ID for the station, I'm going to ask Shal Yaakov if you'll jump over into one of the... Uh, one of the seats over here so we can go a little bit further with that. And, and Michael and Jeremy, don't run away. We're going to have an opportunity to sort of conclude with some of the ideas going on here at Yeshiva University, what it's like with Dean Strauss, um, you know, sort of the, the positive encouragement that they've given and also hopefully some of the, the plans for successful exits that I'm sure that you guys are working on. But we're also happy to have uh, with us this morning Shal Yaakov Morrison, who expands our horizon coming from all the way Bergenfield, New Jersey. Welcome, Shal Yaakov. Thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's been a good show. I've been a listener now. It's, it's a really interesting to just to hear. You know, I've spoken to um, Adam about Tikvinity a little bit. It, this is the first time I'm really getting the full picture of it, so it's just been very informative for me thus far. And I believe you mentioned prior to the show that you're a big Yankee fan? Um, yeah, I'm a big Yankee fan. Looking forward to, uh, to watching Derek Jeter go out, uh, in some style. Somebody, somebody mentioned that twi- the, you know, the Twitterverse sort of exploded when he announced his, uh, his retirement at the end of this year. Uh, for the value of the tickets, just another shout out to Tickfinity. Um, <laughs> the value of the tickets for his last homestand, I think, uh, rose, I think, four, five hundred percent, uh, in value at that point in time. I imagine Yankees tickets as a whole, uh, increased, uh, in value, uh, for this year. It would have been a good season. It would have been a great season to be a season ticket holder for the Yankees on Tickfinity. Right, it cer- certainly would. And those those great season ticket holders that are out there, and you know you're not going to make all 81 home games. Uh, make sure that you get value for those tickets by checking out Tickfinity.com. Okay, so Charlie Yaakov, you've joined Tickfinity, which is exciting. Um, you are a sophomore at Yeshiva University. Does that mean last year you were at Hakotel? Uh, yeah, the past two years I was at Hakotel. The past two years you were at Hakotel. And did you get the entrepreneurship bug there beforehand, or you just landed in while um, you drank so, the water? So it's interesting. Um, I roomed with Adam last year, so I just sort of like a spectator looking in, like all of a sudden, like he just coming up to the room with reams of contracts and stuff, always <laughs> being careful to put him face down because, you know, he hadn't had any of his patents yet. So like, so we were just talking on the side. He, he couldn't tell me exactly what he was doing, but it just, it's seemed really interesting and then you know as he was able to talk about it more um we started discussing it and then i kind of started thinking about you know the own problems that i was experiencing you know relative problems you know technology wise um to come up with something myself because i really wanted to be part and really solving you know some of these everyday inconveniences that people have right i think that's an important thing a lot of people think that to start a company it's got to be an earth-shattering problem that you're addressing and uh, most of the time it's not. I mean, if you're looking at, you know, second year in Israel, you don't have a lot of major problems going on. You know what I'm saying? It's almost sort of painted as one of those ideal uh, environments to be in. Uh, yet you found something over the course of the time there that uh, that you thought can make people's life easier. And even addressing a small problem multiplied over tens of millions of people can turn into quite a lucrative uh, business. So, okay, so how did you guys get together on what we're now calling? Simplified. Simplified. Right, we're back with uh, with that theme, and uh, and uh, so tell me a little bit about Simplified, if you don't mind. So I guess the way I got into it is um, I attended uh, the the Suits Optional Entrepreneurship Club, the initial meeting, just to kind of hear, you know, just about what entrepreneur is, the entrepreneurial process, and which, then which I believe Adam, you're the founder of the Suits yes. Optional. Yeah, the Suits Suits Optional, which which I like. I didn't even know any entrepreneurs wore suits, so that's pretty. That's the point. <laughs> that's the point. I like it. Okay, good. So Suits Optional, you went to that. Go ahead, Charlie. So and then it kind of motivated me to start thinking about meaning the the theme was is that everyone has an idea. The the catchphrase: If you've ever been in the shower, you have an idea. So it started thinking about okay, so like there have been things that I've been thinking about for a while. Now, how can I take that and make something tangible out of it? So what I decided to, you know, to look into and explore a little more was calendars and scheduling. You know, most of us by now have smartphones, and smartphones come with built-in calendars. But unfortunately, they're not optimized for simplicity. If you're looking at, you know, you pull out your iPhone, you pull out your Android phone, you're looking at maybe a couple hours at a time, you see a title of event, you have to click through many menus in order to find out all the information about your event. Sure. 
So what I envisioned is a way that you can pull up your event in one simple view, see at least 12 hours at a time comfortably and be able to add and change events simply by just swiping things, no menus, everything pops up and is there. And then that'll allow you to kind of get a sense of what you need to do, as you were talking about before. What's the urgent tasks? What are the less urgent tasks? And from there, kind of be able to successfully plan, you know, as we're talking about all these busy schedules, it's something that's vitally important. Okay, so add a add need. You're doing so many different things. You need to know where you're at and, and what to be at. But uh, it seems like you said something else. In addition to the calendaring, it seems like there was almost a to-do list or an agenda component to that as well? Yeah, it's all together, meaning on... There will be a grid that will have the calendar, and then on the bottom, there's going to be something called unscheduled tasks. They're things you know you need to do, you just don't know when exactly you need to do them. So what this will do is it'll allow you, you know, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, what do I need to do? You can see, you know, today, tomorrow, what time do I have? Where can I squeeze in, you know, this phone call to the, my lawyer or anything else? Or, you know, you need to buy something for your son. Any type of event that requires some sort of time, you can sort of figure out what you need to do, and then sort of fit it in from there. And right. it won't just be that you can figure it out. What the calendar is actually going to do is if it sees a dead space in your calendar uh, and it notices you know, notices you have 45 minutes free and you have a task that you scheduled for 45 minutes, so the calendar can suggest to you, hey, you want to get that done now. That's great. It'll actually begin to give you the feedback that you need in order to maximize the efficiency of your day. Correct. Sounds like for you guys, this is why the smart screens keep getting larger, <laughs> uh, to keep your to-do lists and your calendars in the, in, in the same place. But it sounds to me, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you know, if you go to weather.com, you can sort of see a synopsis of, of the week on, on the weather. But you, the week, great. So it snows every day. I'm saying so. <laughs> I, I want to know... You know, from 6 to 8 o'clock tomorrow morning when I'm driving upstate, what the weather's going to be like there. And it can give me that hourly view of those 12 hours, and that gives me a perspective. Is that sort of what you're talking about bringing to, to scheduling? Right. So our goal was, if you like, like Shelly Yaakov said, if you bring up a calendar on iPhone or Android right now, um, you can see maybe six, seven hours, may, maybe even less. Uh, and you certainly can't see the breakup of what's going on in those hours. You have to maybe squint to see the title of the event. It doesn't work. So what we wanted to do is we wanted to, while you know, we still we're not going to create a bigger phone. How can we maximize the interface of the phone so that you can see all of your day, but not just all of your day, the breakup of each individual hour. Uh, there's also going to be a day view where you can see your entire day and see which hours are more full or less. We we have presets on the bottom that are customized and suggested. So if you need to make a phone call, why do you have to type in call Sholyakov? Why can't you just drag up something that already has call built in and you just have to write his name? Uh, we color code those presets so you can, at a glance, say, hey, I have a phone call coming up or I have a lunch meeting with someone. That's really interesting. And wh- when, where did this idea get its genesis? What, what was the beginning of this idea? Um, really, it's just from, as you were talking about before, just trying to balance, juggle, dual curriculum, juggle, you know, social lives. Uh, you know, I work for Andrew. There's just a lot of different types of meetings and different types of events that I have to deal with. And just from looking at my phone, like, having to spend all that time making an event and then accessing that event, you know, it it almost didn't help me. It almost made me less organized by attempting to organize. The goal is to organize in a way that the mind is actually thinking about in a way that, you know, helps people as opposed to just being another thing. Oh, I better add this to my calendar. Wait, now let me toggle through all these menus at the time, (laughs) a.m., p.m., why? No one's having an event at 2 o'clock in the morning except maybe for these guys. But if it's 2 o'clock, I want it to sort of drag it to 2 o'clock and I have to choose all these different details about an event. Right. you got to make it as simple and as easy as possible. And I like the concept of swiping. To me, it seems like most calendars that I've encountered were built for the original BlackBerry phone, right? (laughs) It seems that it was. It doesn't maximize the efficiency of the of the coolest and newest apps that are out there. Absolutely. And and one of the, you know, like Shal Yaakov was saying, one of the things that we also wanted to integrate was the reminders. You know, you, you have a task. You need to do something. You know you need to do something. You just don't know when you're going to do it. So how can you make sure that the calendar also brings that in? How can you make sure, since a task requires time, we think that the two go hand in hand. So schedule a task on your calendar and let the calendar say, hey, you want to do this now. Right. And just even for ease of efficiency, I know I go to a lot of meetings and I've got the iPad and I've got the laptop and everything else, but I bring out my uh, five-subject notebook because for me that's the easiest thing to, to write quickly and where I need to be in terms of the schedules and the to-do list. So something like this I will be an anxious user uh, of, that's for sure. wanted to remind everybody out there listening that you're listening to Tech Talk on the Nachum Siegel Network. I am your host, Arya Lightstone. You can listen to us on jmdm.org or nachumsegel.com. As always, we are proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera. More than just a camera store. 
Uh, please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. Uh, if I can, I'd like to give a shout-out to our engineer, ZK, who always does an outstanding job. But today, with four guests and musical chairs and different modulations in terms of volume and uh, closeness to the microphone, it, it's really a pleasure uh, working with him. He is one of the, the consummate professionals here at Nachum Siegel, and that segues nicely into reminding everybody out there uh, that next week begins the annual fundraising marathon on Monday, the 24th of February. But don't wait till next week. You can go out and pledge now at jmtheaim.org or nachumsegel.com. So when I was in Yeshiva University, which wasn't that long ago, I guess, though, for your years, it does seem a long time ago, um, there was the in thing was uh, was the market. We were just at the sort of the tail end of the of the dot-com um, bubble. Uh, everybody wanted to trade or work for one of the big banks who were taking advantage of the people who were trading. That was sort of the popular thing to do. So there were a lot of finance and accounting majors that were out there. But it didn't seem like, other than the guys going to day trading floors, which I don't even know if anybody says that publicly, that that's what they do right now. Um, it didn't strike me that, that YU was inspiring that individuality and creativity, other than the stock market game, which at that point in time was pretty popular. So how's, how's the environment changed to enable you guys to do what you're doing without cutting back on, on you know, sort of the core beliefs of Yeshiva University? So as any good university will do, they will understand that the times move forward and they have to adapt. And what they've done to adapt to the oncoming onslaught of the entrepreneurial movement, of which we all are a big part of, uh, they brought in an entrepreneur in residence by the name of Dean Michael Strauss. Um, now, this guy has really done everything. This guy is a venture capitalist, entrepreneur, consultant, and corporate reconstructionist. At one point, he was number five in American Express. Um, and he, you know, he had a very, very lucrative consulting, consulting business that he eventually shut down just to come to YU to spend all of his time and energy on the students there. So, and he has this, this open door policy that YU didn't require of him, but literally his office is open every morning at 7 a.m. and it won't close until 6. And you can walk in with any idea for any advice. Uh, you can call him, email him. I've emailed him at 5.20 in the morning and he's responded at 5.21. So he's quick on the email. He probably has a very decent calendar app. Um, not as good as yours, obviously. <laughs> but uh, and I'm now asking you a little bit more uh, background on this. But how long has, has Dean Strauss been around at YU for? He's been around for a few years now, but I think he just stepped up to be the official entrepreneur in residence and to be the official associate dean. Okay, so since I don't have the pleasure of spending a lot of time on the YU campus, are you guys um, – what you guys are doing, is that mainstream for YU, or is it still something out of the ordinary? So it's a little bit still out of the ordinary, um, but it's becoming more and more mainstream. And that's actually one of the things that I'm very passionate about, to oh, to give to other people what Dean Strauss has given to me, to the, the, the simple understanding that if you have an idea or you have a frustration, don't just let it sit there and accept the status quo. You can do something about it. You can create your own company. You can better the world through your ideas and your, and your solutions. Um, and that's why I started uh, the Suits Optional Club at YU. Uh, the idea is to give the journey that Dean Strauss had given me to all the other students. I've done it. Now I can help you guys do it, too. I can help guide you. So we actually got a great response on our initial email. Uh, we're going to be hosting our club meeting this week, our first club meeting this week, and it's going to be called Scalable Creativity. So it's to understand and differentiate between the ideas that could work, that couldn't work, the idea that maybe only your mother would like, and the ideas that venture capitalists would like. Don't underrate ideas that only your mother would like. <laughs> Not positive that they're going to be revenue generating, but they generate a different type of revenue you should be very much aware of. Nachas. Um, yeah, correct. So th that's bankable. I'm probably on affinity <laughs> to a degree. Oh, I wonder if you could do that. Do you think I could bank the nachas that I'd like giving perhaps to my mom? It's fine. It's fine. Trade that for my mother-in-law. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah different, different options that could be there. Right. So, so the point of, the point of Suits Optional is to have a structured environment. It's not a fluffy club. Uh, we're not going to come in and tell you that you're great. We're going to come in and give you structured instructions on how to bring your idea to fruition. Um, it's, a, it's supposed to be about 10 meetings, nine or 10 meetings, where we bring you from idea, from conception of idea to full business plan, maybe even to a developed product. Um, and the last two meetings, the, last, the second to last one will be pitch night, where anyone who really has structured a business, structured uh, business plan has something to show, something to present, not just an idea anymore, they will be able to pitch in front of a panel of professional uh, professional investors or you know professional panelists that can really say, hey, this is a good idea, this isn't a good idea, give them structured feedback. And the best five will go on to the last meeting called Shark Tank, where I'm going to bring in a bunch of VCs and angels to potentially invest in those best five ideas. Yeah, so that's not a club. That's really an accelerator that you guys have created on the Yeshiva University campus. That's a tremendous kudos to... Uh uh, to you for doing that and for everybody else for getting involved with that. 
just a thought that I was thinking about having heard from the four of you. And, and for those of you listening, we've got Adam Moisa from Queens. And I'm, am I saying your last name correctly? Yes, yes. Thank you. Uh, Michael Lehman with two ends uh, from the five towns, Jeremy Goldstein and Charlie Yaakov Morrison, uh, all on the show, and each one impressive in their own right. Uh, look, I think every student at Yeshiva University who gives it their all just to be a student, I think is incredibly impressive and should be uh, commended for that. But to be able to take on additional um, responsibilities in such a meaningful way, and, and we didn't get to really schmooze it out all that much, but Shal Yaakov, you know that NCSY is near and dear to my heart. To be able to still do that in a meaningful way while doing other things I think is so important and, and valuable. But just a question, love to hear your feedback on this. You know, you have college athletes. You know, what they sort of go back to school and get their degree at some point in time. Um, I wonder if there would be flexibility. Perhaps the questions that I was asking at the beginning uh, would make more sense being asked the opposite way. Should there be flexibility from Yeshiva University in terms of the midterms and finals for students who are active uh, in, starting the, uh, in starting their own businesses? Would that be a way that Yeshiva University might even draw more um, potential entrepreneurs? And certainly we wouldn't want to see... Uh, you know, people leaving college and leaving a place like Yeshiva University, which is worth much more than just a degree, um, because they're so busy with the business. And just throwing that out there, I'm curious to your thoughts as uh, current students. So it, it's definitely an idea, and I'm sure it's already being discussed uh, by the deans, by the faculty. Uh, but YU has already taken steps to to uh, help entrepreneurs move forward. Um, if you have an internship or if you're working for a company, you can get credit for that. So if you need a little bit of extra time, you can do that. There are three different morning programs that you can that you can do. You can have one that has a little bit of a lesser tax on your time, more tax on your time. Depends on what's important to you. They are pretty flexible already. Um, anything else would, of course, help, but I'm sure it's also being discussed. And, and, and Dean Strauss is, is a good resource to go to for that? Uh, definitely. I originally, I just I came up to him and said, I have this idea. And the first thing he said to me is like, okay, great. Write me three pages on it. Not one page, not ten pages. Just write me three pages on it. And I think that something like that, just that little bit of initial advice, it got me thinking like to develop and scale an idea that's something that's not so broad that you need you know, to write a novel to explain it, but not something so narrow like I want to make a calendar that's cool and touch screen, which, uh, which again wouldn't have gotten us to the prototype that's currently being built. So I think that just his constant guidance of what, you know, what amount of development needs to be done at different times to sort of take an abstract idea and get it into something that's a product, I, I think that I, I I personally, I don't think I could have done it without him. Oh, so that's outstanding. And, and as a proud YU alum, uh, I have to tell you that uh, that, that really does make me feel uh, feel very proud and, and the direction that YU has taken to nurture you and to make sure that you're excelling in what you're doing. Go ahead, Adam. And they don't just nurture. They, they really reach out. Um, I'll give you an example. One way that a school could approach recruiting students is the wholesale idea where they have a factory and kids come to them and then they say, well, you're a good client, you're not a good client. Uh, but it doesn't work that way if you really want the best students, if you want a certain type of student. Uh, you really have to do sort of a retail look where you go out and you reach out to the best possible students. And that's what Dean, that's what Dean Strauss did. I was a prospective student um, from YU, and he called me. I, I had no idea who he was at the time. Uh, and he called me, and literally, on a random day, he spent two and a half hours with me on the phone. The next day, another two and a half hours, and the day following, three. So here's a dean, busy guy, but he still takes the time of day to really reach out to the students and get the best students possible. Right, we're going to need to bring the dean on the show, that's for sure. Absolutely. We'll, we'll do a, uh, maybe after the pitch night, maybe we can broadcast live from the pitch night and have an opportunity to, to broaden the exposure uh, of some of the companies that are out there. We we here at Tech Talk are, are so enthused and excited about what you guys are doing and the general environment, uh, and especially to see people who take the entirety of Yeshiva University seriously, and it's not just a, oh, by the way, I also go there, but it sounds like you guys are part and parcel uh, of what the university is really all about. If if you can, and we're going to try to rotate the chairs so everybody can share just one or two thoughts to, to maybe high school students that are out there or students in Eretz Israel who are going to listen and say, look, I really want to do something. What are, what's the number one challenge that you have and the number one opportunity that you have? Because Granted, life would be easier if you just focused on accounting or you just focused on finance and you got whatever job it was. Why is this? What what appeals to you about this and what are some of the challenges that you need to be aware of? I think what appeals to me about first of all, I would also be an advocate to go to the high school grounds and you know tell them to start there because there's no reason why they can't start there. Uh, the only reason why I didn't start there is because I wasn't told that it was possible and it's not something that people realize. So number one, it's possible. That's you know that's just that's just a fact. Um, I think one of the huge opportunities that YU gives us is, and I'm, we're going to continue to bring this up, is Dean Michael Strauss. He he really just gives us his time of day and his advice and his expertise. Uh, so that's one huge opportunity. Another huge opportunity of YU is that up and coming, there's a huge 
there, there's a lot of students with similar ideals, with similar passions. Uh, so being with like-minded people also just helps you propagate your idea. Um, I think the only real disadvantage is that you're more pressed for time. So challenge, and, and as the only married of, of the guys here, um, being able to balance also a family life. Right. Like that is, okay, is, is a challenge. So people need to be aware of that. Correct. Okay. It, 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 yeah, people definitely need to be aware of that. It's not, you know, like the simple story that you may hear in a feature. Uh, this company got bought out. It's, <laughs> that guy did a lot of work. Right. I got, okay, it's, it, it requires a tremendous amount of effort, and I have to imagine that there's an emotional roller coaster that goes involved with this. You Absolutely. have highs and lows. Absolutely. Um, I get random texts from, from Jeremy and Mike and Shaliako, you know, hey, we have a big problem. Can we have a conference? And either we work it out or we don't. We push it off. So far, we've been fortunate enough to work out all of the kinks. Um, but yeah, there's a, the emotional roller coaster of, will this product actually work? The programmer tells you, hey, I really can't do this. What do you do? Uh, you go for an investment, and you're not getting the greatest response right away. Do you keep going? So n- not only is there focus required, but there's a lot of determination required. Okay. Thank you for sharing that, Adam. Uh, Shaul Yaakov, tell us your thoughts. So I think what's really great about YU and Unique is that they give you an opportunity to still continue learning seriously. I'm learning Morning Seder and Sheer, and I just expect that, you know, that if I'm trying to balance, you know, finance and um, the degree and an entrepreneurship project at the same time, you know, the learning sort of might inadvertently take sort of a backseat. But the fact that YU, um, I mean, in a sense requires, but also encourages us to really focus and be at Seder at nine o'clock, you know, learning at a high level um, for so many hours a day, I think it allows us to do everything within the right mindset and make sure that we're not, you know, cutting corners ethically, morally, and just to ourselves because it puts us in the right kind of framework to be successful and to be successful for the right reasons, not just to make millions of dollars, hopefully, but really to become a round person and use the entrepreneurial products as a way to improve our entire persona um, as, you know, religious people trying to impact the world and really help people out. Okay. Michael and, and Jeremy, if you have a chance to uh, mosey up to the microphone and, and just sort of share just in your minds the concept of the largest challenge that you've had uh, being an entrepreneur at your age in the – doesn't even need to be specifically at YU, but with the challenges of having a dual curriculum. So one thing I really believe in is, you know, doing what you love. A lot of times, you know, people are, you know, they go into accounting, they go into finance because that's just a, that's just something that, like, they do because they that, that there's not many other opportunities and they feel like that's the safest thing to do, even though they may not like it. So personally, my, my theory is, you know, do what you love. So if this is something that you love, you know, you, you should definitely just go out go after it. And the biggest challenge that potentially you would be facing? It's a lot riskier. You know, you, people can just go into their specific safe fields that they may not be interested in and they get their, you know, they get their guaranteed paycheck and, you know, it's, it's easy like that. But, you know, the challenges is, is obviously the risk involved in, you know, in being an entrepreneur. Okay. Thank you, Jeremy. And Michael, any, anything? It's tough to be the fourth guy answering a question. <laughs> Everyone so took all the answers. <laughs> um, so one thing I find very challenging is, being an entrepreneur, in my opinion, is the best job you could possibly have. It's always exciting. You're always doing different things. Um, so while being in school, it just it's very hard to find interest in different subjects that I'm learning. You know, like I'm majoring in accounting, but do I really want to go into accounting? No, I want to be an entrepreneur. I was born an entrepreneur. You know, so I have to convince myself that I enjoy accounting and that I understand and that I actually like it, so I can actually do well in school at the same time while uh, managing my own company. Right. So you've got you, you have to balance the where I'd like to be over there, but you understand that the skills that you're learning are, are critical and important for, for their growth, even as an entrepreneur. I imagine an entrepreneur with knowledge in accounting is much better than an entrepreneur without knowledge in accounting. Absolutely. All right, so that, that, has, that has major value. So I, I wanted to remind everybody out there that uh, the tech and the entrepreneurship that we talk about, there was a phenomenal tweet that happened. Um, I think yesterday there was another Israeli buyout for another 500 million bucks uh, announced, uh, I want to say Friday, Sunday, one of the two. Um, which brings more Israeli startups being purchased for over $500 million in the last six months than New York City since 2009. Uh, and that's with New York's major focus on uh, entrepreneurship really in the latter Bloomberg years, uh, which I think is incredibly important. But I think it's also important to understand that, that entrepreneurship is not just something that's happening in Israel, and we try to tie it into to what's going on there as often as we can on our show, but it happens at Yeshiva University. It happens in, quote-unquote, our communities. It happens while being able to handle the dual curriculum, and it happens while being able to get married, and it happens while being in a dorm room, and and those are things that matter. And and if I walked away from one thing other than trying to remember when I slept as little as you guys do, uh, but uh, but walked away with, 
you know, if there was a way to turn this on in elementary school or middle school, um, you would have been even more excited about that. And uh, and where that ability exists, I would encourage everybody out there, parents, teachers, administrators, uh, if you can add that in. Let, let's just give one more opportunity to, to find. Everybody can go to Tickfinity. Dot com. How do we? We'll be able to find Cloudified fairly soon again back fairly, online. Right. You can always email me for more information. It's adammoisa at gmail. A D A M M O I S A at gmail dot com. Or you can feel free to visit my vcard at adammoisa.com. Right. And if you find Adam, you'll be able to find Michael. You'll be able to find Jeremy. You'll be able to find Charles Yaakov. Really, the hub of entrepreneurship. We thank everybody for listening to Tech Talk on the Nachum Siegel Network. This is R.E. Lightstone. You've been listening to us on jmtheam.org or nachumsiegel.com. We want to thank our sponsor one last time this show, Adorama Camera, more than just a camera store. Please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. We've had phenomenal guests today. It's really a privilege and a pleasure to have had you guys in the studio. Thank you so much, and we look forward to hearing about what happens with all of your various companies. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you. You've been listening to Tech Talk.